clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, welcome back from your travels. Yeah. You're a world traveler, Jack Seller. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I'm tired, is what I am. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to take a little time to reacclimate acclimate to you got it. the you got time it. zone. You got it. Use your words. It's all good, but it's good to see you, Doc, and have you, you back too. here at the university. Yeah. And we are back, folks. That is right. The doc is back from all of her travels. Our hiatus is over. We're here for at least the next month before we finish out season three. Can you believe season three is always coming? It's already coming to an end. I know. I know. We didn't. We're not going to do a was Jeremiah listening at the end of season three because it. I think gives you panic attacks. So it we're going to have it to come up anxiety. with something else. Thank you. Can we just have something that's like fun that doesn't focus on whether or not I can remember things like that? Anything like, let's just have some other fun. We'll figure it out. We'll figure an end of, we'll see the fun for me sometimes is making you entirely uncomfortable. <laughs> so, but I don't want to like, you know, there's like a limit, right? There's like a limit of like how unco- we could cap off by that prostate massager and that, Okay, 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 okay. Hang on a second here. <laughs> that could be oh, our, is that, that is could that, be our that's Christmas, the one? Christmas episode. You know, we could come up with a little clever something. All right, or look, not. I just I'm not. gonna tell this right now, and this is a teaser. I may <gasps> have attempted uh, to utilize some of these tools in okay, my okay. sexual buffet. But the caveat here, folks, is we'll only talk about it. With Dr. Leo? With Dr. Leo. Okay, I'll talk to Dr. If Leo. If you get Dr. Leo back on, Jeremiah's going to spill the beans, okay? All of our millions of fans all over the world want to know about prostate play and their old pal, Jeremiah James. I have, a, I have information that I am happy to impart. I just need Dr. Leo. He's my soft landing spot with this. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> Got it. Fair enough. You need to spread that, spread that tension a yes. little. <laughs> yes, exactly. That sounds good. All right. We will, uh, what a, that, that might be a holiday treat. Yes, just that, for could all be of a, us. that could be a Merry Christmas to our friends at the University Merry of Christmas. Pleasure. Play with your prostate. That's exactly right. All right. Put it in. Put it on your wish list. A prostate massager. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, put it on the wish list. Now, I'm not saying I, that meant I am saying do that's don't, what the doc recommends. I'm don't just spoil. I'm nothing spoil. to spoil. I trust me. There's no spoilers here. You'll all. I mean, come on. It's Jeremiah James story. It's not going to be the norm. So, welcome back, Doc. Good to see you. We're here. We're present. We're grounded. And uh, hope everybody out there is taking some time to check out the Amy book and leave us some reviews and called our phone number which is doc 917-382-0653 i would really appreciate it if people would call our phone number with like sex questions or could have been better sex stories or really great sex stories we don't care i would prefer it to the people that leave messages just uh you know like robocalls which is currently most of most of what we're getting doc don't let the cat out of the bag pretty much what we're getting right now a lot of robocalls so, you need solar panels on your we, house in california yeah, like nobody lives in california 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of people wanting to help with student loans, which I do appreciate. Which but, is nice. You know. That's nice for people that care. Yeah, I don't think that they want to do it in a way that would really help me out. Yeah, so. probably. Probably not. Uh, but don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on all of our social media. And again, we have just a handful of more episodes coming your way before the end of season three. Don't forget, you can check out all of our episodes ad-free, for free. Go to our website, universityofpleasure.com, and check out everything there. And uh, yeah, it's just good to see your face. You know, like when I don't see you for a little while, I don't, I'm not going to lie, I get a little bit of withdrawals. Every once in a while, I see some of our photos come up from our original time when we met, you know, so long ago. And like things will pop up in memories. I'm like, oh, there, oh, there she is. There she is. Look at her. Look at look at all those fun times we had. <laughs> it's so good to see you. So oh, it's good to see you, Jeremiah. Thank you so much. Let's uh, stop with the love fest and get back to work. All right. So. God, that was your most rock shop DJ moment. <laughs> Thank so ever. far. So get back far. to work. Get back to work. Here we go. Oh, 95.5. All right. You really ride the line of a rock shock DJ. I'm going to be real <laughs> honest with you. You really ride the line. Well, listen, I grew up I on rock shock DJs. I could take about seven step back from the line. All right, okay. You, you ride it. I'll take a breath, okay? <laughs> Let me get back to my sexier, more grounded Jeremiah James, uh, host of University of Pleasure. I'm back. I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. Got it. So, episode today. A dating survival guide. Volume one, protecting self-esteem while you search. I was happy when I got this message because, Doc, so many people I know in the dating world, so many people that I know struggle. I know we've talked about, you know, swipe right, swipe left, and, and you know, trying to not let it get to you, trying to not let yeah. it tear you up, you know, and, and have, you know, but I tell you, People need a survival guide, Doc, because it is crazy out there. And it's, it's a, it's, it's social it's media. Yeah. Go ahead, Doc. Talk. Yeah. No, I mean, I think when we've talked about dating in the past, we've like kind of taken like little, you know, like little tiny like uh, moments to talk about like self-esteem and whatnot. And really in dating, I think we've talked more about like strategies, right? Or like communication. But this is like really more about like, how do you take care of you? <laughs> right? Yes. Like your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself. Like basically like, I really mean it. Like how do you protect that self-esteem? Because if we're being real dating, especially if you're like, you know, there are always those people that are like, I was on match and I went on one date and I met my forever person. And it's like, good, good for you. No hate. But also that's not most people. Right. No, hundred percent. That's not that. That you know, I would say. I would say. Now, these are these are one hundred percent double checked and verified facts and numbers from a chart. I think I saw at some point. <laughs> no chart. One hundred percent. Like, like about from a BuzzFeed news article. <laughs> <laughs> like ninety-five percent of people, that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. That's not real life. And here's the other thing that I want to kind of toss into that soup of, of, of information there, Doc. Reality is, okay, with the advent of social media and everything, where everybody always looks happy and they all have these magical stories and we're inundated with it all day, I think people forget that's not real and it's yeah, not normal. I, I think and we, I'm not saying I, it doesn't ever happen, but come on. Like, it, it, that's not the norm. Most people, you know... You gotta go. You gotta kiss a lot of frogs before you find, get to the prince. You know what I mean? Yeah, or whoever you're seeking. Exactly. But but I think to the to the point around social media, and I think a lot. Here's the thing, though. There's a difference between intellectually knowing something, but it also triggering your fear at the same time, right? Mm. Like you can intellectually be like, social media is bullshit. I'm seeing edited versions of people's lives. But then there's that niggling fear, right? Because we don't. We've talked about that. We don't always get to control Did that. Did you say in the way that niggling? Yeah, like little tickling fear, right? Niggling? Niggling? Is that I don't a know. word? I don't know. Don't say Is I it? don't know. You're the one who's supposed to know. I don't know. You know I don't know. But I've never heard niggling. Niggling is right. Causing slight but persistence, annoyance, discomfort, and anxiety. 
Jeez, I would have never, I literally was like, what is that? Okay, I'm sorry. That took me out for a second. I'm back. I'm here. Niggling. I'm going to work that word of the day somewhere in this episode later. So continue on. <laughs> what a treat for all of us. You're welcome, world. <laughs> so as I was saying. Yes, continue, right? please. Um, before we all built our vocabulary a little more, right? Uh, the... The thing about it is like, you can know, right? You can be like, oh, this is crap, right? It's edited. But at the same time, there's that that nagging fear that you that we all have these fears of like, but what if it isn't? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And you know, that, that happens. That's just normal, normal anxieties that we have, right? Like we have our rational belief system and then we have original, you can be in a plane and being like, I know that this is probably safe. And then but what if it's not, you know, right, and it's yes. just, like, that's just a normal part of kind of how our minds tend to work. So the, the struggle with that, right, is like, how much control does that, that voice start to take over? And um, dating is a really just ripe, <laughs> just ripe for opportunities for like, kind of those what ifs and like self doubt to really start to settle in. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of bad setups, right? Like it, it has the opportunity for a lot of comparison, a lot of really unfair comparison, right? So to your point about like, um, like when we're on social media, right? And you're like sitting in your pajamas and looking at social media, you're like, everyone's having more fun than me. That's right. <laughs> because That's you're like, look right. at them going to pumpkin patches. I didn't go to a pumpkin patch this year. That's right, <laughs> you know? Doc. It's so true. But what you forget is like last weekend you went to an apple orchard, right? Like it's just, it's it's really tricky. And the same thing is very true of dating, right? When someone is maybe uh, single or wanting to date and they're feeling um, concerned about that, or they're wanting to change that experience. We've talked about confirmation bias before, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. We tend to pay more attention then to things that might like, uh, like things that we might be worried about or things that we might be fearful about. And we tend to ignore like evidence to the contrary, right? Yeah. So if we're worried that we're the last single person on earth, we're going to pay more attention to those people and friends that seem like they're in happy relationships. And we're going to be out and about and be like, look at them. It's everyone, right? And we're going to like kind of totally and not purposefully so shade out all of the other people that are also having the exact same experience that we are. Absolutely. And it creates it creates a real sense of isolation. I totally agree. And you know, I try to I try to remind friends out there in the dating world. I'm like, got to you got to remember like you know, even people that seem like they're walking down the street holding hands might not be as happy at home. You know, like, you know, like you got to remember, like we all got problems, you know, everybody's got problems, you know, so you can try to keep it in perspective, but it can be hard, doc. It can be so hard. Oh, it's really hard, right? Like, I mean, as a therapist, you know, um, I basically get to, for lack of a better phrase, get to hear people's secrets. Sure, right? sure, sure, true. So I get... I get to hear what's happening behind maybe the the performances or facades. And don't get me wrong, some people are, I'm not saying that like everyone's out there performing something, but like there are things. Sometimes someone asks you at work, how you doing? And you say fine, because it's just an easier way to get through the workday, not because you're trying to hide something. But in reality, maybe things are not fine, right? right? Or someone might ask you how your partner's doing and you go, oh, we're great. But in reality, not so great. Right. And so- there, yeah, there is a lot of just sort of distorted effects that occur, and that does make it really tough. The other thing is about dating that makes it rife with possibilities to really take a chunk out of self-esteem is rejection. Yes, well, and that's and we've talked a little bit about it, but I think I think it's going to be good to talk a little bit more about that here, Doc, because you know we we try to try you know on a couple older episodes talk about you know hey when you want you know nobody likes to be rejected, nobody likes you know. But with no risk comes no reward, right? We didn't we talk about that. So I want to hear yeah. what we got to like throw into the dating, you know, playbook here. Yeah. So you know, uh, and we'll chat a little bit more. I do have some what to dos or what to tries, which I know always please you. Yes. Um. But you know me. I first like to set up why is it a struggle, right? Because sometimes that is before you can start fixing things, you need to understand maybe more directly what it is maybe somebody might need to attend to, right? Because not everyone that's maybe having struggles with dating, A, might be struggling with their self-esteem. Some people are like, mm, dating's not going well, but I'm fine. Right. Right. And some people might be like, 
dating's going not well and I'm not really feeling particularly rejected, but well, I'm comparing myself a lot to sure, other people, sure. right? The other thing, and interestingly, this is um, maybe more for the friends and loved ones of people that are dating, is one of the things that can take a chunk out of self-esteem is the, the unwanted opinions of others. Oh, Hang because Yeah. Am I part of that? You could be. No. Let's talk about it. No, no, couldn't be. <laughs> I don't know. Is it fair to say that Jeremiah James loves to give advice? No, I mean, maybe. Okay, so then we'll talk a little bit about like as this isn't about and, me. Okay, continue it's on. Just, it's no one's attacking. It's fine. <laughs> just, so, as a friend, what are some things, or a friend, or a loved one of someone that's dating? Like, so for instance, when. A lot of times when someone is maybe single, there might be like, and, and some people might be really loving it and, and they're wanting to be single, right? Or they're, they're, they're totally fine with sort of, you know, not having like a committed partner or whatever that might be. Um, but, you know, and, and even then it might get annoying when people are like, so how's dating going? Or are you dating? Like checking in a lot. That just might feel like a judgment. But let's say someone is really actively trying and might be having kind of a hard time. The focus and attention on it can be upsetting, right? Yeah. I talk to tons of people about this all the time where they're like, oh, people are like always checking in on me. But a lot of times too, people feel the need to give and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt, trying to be helpful, but to give unrequested advice. Right. right. But, I never do that. Mine advice is only when uh, people ask me for it. It's never only uh, only might be strong, but <laughs> just something to reflect on. OK, but so here's here's something like one of the things that can be really unhelpful is giving people what I would call you just need to statements. Right. So let's say someone's having a hard time dating. Why do I and feel someone... personally attacked here? Why? I don't understand why. Why you, am I feeling you're, personally attacked? I am talking generally. And if you feel that it's applying to you, you might be I don't, developing. I don't, some... I, it's not applying to me. I just feel like, it, I don't know. I feel like you're pointing the finger at me very aggressively. I, but it's fine. It's not about me. Continue on. I mean, it, it, well, if you're, if you're noticing a reaction, perhaps it does apply to you, but it is not about you. Lots of people do this. Okay. All right, fine. So the like the you just need to statements, right? And again, often coming from a well-meaning place where someone's like, hey, you just need to keep trying or you just need to, uh, you know, do it this way or you just need to have more confidence. Here's the problem with the phrase you just need to, right? You just need to suggest that it's simple. And the person that you're talking to might already be feeling like there's not something like that they're doing something wrong, right? They may right. already feel be feeling bad, like there's some secret puzzle that they haven't figured out about dating. Right. And so when people come in with the you just need to statements, and again, probably well meaning, probably from a place of love or affection, it can often feel like someone pointing out, like, well, this is so easy. Why can't you figure it out? Right. And that phrase is said a lot. Just if you pay attention in culture, well, you just, when we give advice generally, not even about dating, oh, I'm having such a hard time with my friend. Well, you just need to talk to them. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Thanks for great. that. Great. Thanks for that. I never thought of that, right? Right. Versus understanding that there's sometimes a lot more complexity to the how, and we've talked about that before. The other thing that like can, can happen is <laughs> it's like, be also like, as a, if you're a friend or a loved one of someone that's dating, right? Be, be aware of your own state in life, right? If you're sitting there on a couch with your arm draped around your partner in this happy, blissful picture, and this person's talking about having their hard time, and you're like, well, let me give you some advice about how to do this, right? Like, ooh. do you get what I mean? You just made that, that might, feel, yeah, ooh, It's not going to feel that good. And so rather than sometimes think jumping just into advice, when someone's saying they have a hard time, we often jump into problem solving. Right. That's what we do. But if I you're don't know like, anything about that. I don't, I don't, <laughs> for me personally, I'm not a, I don't about problem solving. Not a thing I'm working on. It's I feel fine. like we've Get, talked about it differently before. Mean, yeah. But, right. So rather than jumping immediately into problem solving, seeing what happens if you just 
try to listen and say like, yeah, that sounds hard, right? If someone's saying like, I'm having a really hard time or like I'm feeling, a lot of times people are like, ugh, Tinder's the worst. I'm so <laughs> sick of this. Like it's nothing, like I'll feel people, and I don't think they actually mean it in this way, but like, there's nothing but garbage out there. Like nothing's good, you know, and are like, not nothing's good, but like I'm not meeting any good people. All the good right. people are gone right. or they're taken. And like some people will be like, oh, you just need to keep trying or this or that. Or sometimes people are like, there's someone out there for everyone. Those kind of platitudes, I know because people talk to me about it, often aren't helpful. Right. People often are like, thanks. That's, and I understand where it comes from. People want to help. They want to feel like they're, but other people's problems can make us anxious sometimes. And we want to help them solve it because we don't want someone we care about to feel bad. Right. But sometimes it's much more effective just to say, you know, I'm sorry you're having such a hard time. Like, that sounds like it sucks. That would be hard. Yeah. Like, I'm really sorry. And just simple rather than jumping into advice giving well, and letting you know people what? I, ask. I, I'm glad that you say that because I tell you honestly, no jokes here, Doc. Okay. Like, when I was really struggling, I've talked about some struggles I had with my mental health when I was younger here on the old uh, University of Pleasure podcast. You know, like, one of the things that I always wanted was just that when I was really mad and really having a hard time, like, people would always want to give me advice, right? It was like, you know, all you got to do is let it go. You know, you just need to just, you know, let it roll up your back. And I'd be like, ah! Yeah, I don't know how to do that. I would love to do what you're suggesting. Thank you. (laughs) You know, and I remember one of the, one. I've been an advocate of therapy ever since, and I know I probably said it before, but the first time I sat down with this therapist, you know, way back when, you know, he let me talk about all the things that I was frustrated about. And, you know, all those times that people said, you got to let it go. You got to let it roll up your back. You got to just, you know, move forward. Karma will come back around for them. You know, he didn't say any of those things. He just said to me, that is horrible. You know, that really, that seems like it was really hard. And I'm really sorry that you have gone through that. And I am frustrated. And if I was in your shoes, I would be equally frustrated. And I was just like, Whoa! like, <laughs> the greatest i was like he's a genius <laughs> never underestimate the power of some simple validation there you go right? there you go so i and, love this i love that yeah, part doc because and i appreciate you staring that story right because i think that that's very real and don't get me wrong like I, we all do it i jump to problem solving too right or i'm like oh let me give you some i got all this let me give you some advice right like shit half this podcast is me being like let me give you some advice <laughs> but i'm assuming that when people listen, maybe they're looking for it, right? So you can self-select if you want. And if right, you don't right. want it, then we'll turn off, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but it it is something just, I think, as a loved one. And also, like, as someone that's experiencing it, and we'll talk a little bit later about maybe how to set boundaries around that. If someone right. in your world or you have some people, like how to help people support you in the ways that are maybe more meaningful to you. Yes. But the other thing that can really make it hard is just anxiety builds on itself, right? So when somebody is dating and maybe it's not turning out as quickly as they want or as, as, as you know, they're not having the results that they want, right? Like that voice that I was talking about, that niggling voice, right? That I was talking about gets louder and louder, right? Because what we want is like, you know, like sometimes when we're challenging a fear, we're like, you know, that's probably not true. It's going to work out. And we kind of like try to talk ourselves down and, you know, right, right. but then the more time right spans the harder that gets because you know that fear might grow greater and greater and it and when we think about it in context of dating there's a lot of pressure around having a romantic partner because yes. culturally and we've talked about this before we have made having a romantic partner or like a quote unquote success successful romantic relationship whatever the hell that means being the missing puzzle piece of having a good life yeah, what? what uh, yeah, and that bothers me. It bothers yeah, it me. it bothers a lot of us, but we don't really think about it or talk about it. But we've done that. We've created that story for us. And, and don't get me wrong. There's lots of folks out there that are like, yeah, I don't need that to have a good life. And I'm like, I agree with you. And that is the truth. You don't necessarily have to have that. It's not the missing puzzle piece. But we've made people feel like it is through movies, through film, through TV, through just the way we behave with each other. Sure, I don't do you, sure. I feel it sounds like you see that as no, well. Yeah, well, you know, I just I, so many people. I'm like I I have so many like friends like I said in the dating world. And I say to them, you know, uh, I I don't want to say I'm just giving advice, but if they ask me, I would say, you know, I mean, 
do you need that? You don't, that, that, that's not like the hallmark of leading a good life as having a partner. That's not like you don't, you don't have to have that. It's not the keystone in the arch to keep the arch up for thousands of years. You know, like there are many people that live really, you know, they live incredible lives and don't have partners and they, and it's not a piece that has to, you don't have to have it. And I think I feel doc, when the harder you're trying to grab that thing that we are inundated with in every, you know, love story movie and every, you know, I mean, every TV show, every, you know, a little bit of stuff you see on social media kind of pushes you in that direction. Like, if you want to actually be a successful human, you must have a partner and be in love and be happy. You know. Well, that's the that's the happy ending of a movie, right? Everyone is love is found, found, right? If if you went and watched a movie, and like, don't get me wrong, sometimes there are other like kind of quote unquote happy endings, but like when you when you compare the amount of happy endings that someone finding love, right, versus the happy endings, which is like, hey, I just like really made a a, a strong advancement in uh, I don't know, like in my chess game, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like you don't like. I really found a great hobby that brings me a lot of joy. End of movie. Yeah. Right. You don't, we don't see a lot of like comparatively, right? Uh -huh. Like uh -huh. the other happy, happy endings of movies are, are often like, hey, horrible, horrible things were happening and they stopped happening. Yes. So that's a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like those are the kind of two Hollywood happy endings. There was an asteroid. Now there's not. So happy, Yay! Right? but we don't talk about it more in this like day to day way that there are so many things that bring joy and peace to people and relationships can be one of those things, but there are also an infinite number of other things. There you go. And to, to your point, right. It around that and it's just being everywhere and we're, we are trending into the season of lifetime holiday movies, oh, right? Oof, Which woof. really, and we all know how it. really we've talked about that on the podcast before, how that really brings people into the doldrums. You know what I mean? Like well, it's, it's also about like, and do you have a family that's traditional and intact? And if you don't, you should feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, brutal. <laughs> well, that's like the commercials and the movies and everything, right? And right. So, so there's a reason the holidays are a hard time of year for people. And, and but but all of that, what it creates is pressure. Yeah, lots of pressure. <laughs> it creates so much pressure. And pressure is unhelpful to performance. And I don't mean like you got to go perform on a date. I mean like, like, literally like you feel like you can go and you can do a thing and you can activate around a thing. Yeah. And so there are just so many pieces of things that create pressure. And, and, and I think another one of them, and we've talked about this before is, is like the, the social clock. Do you remember us talking about that? Yes, it's not a quiz. Of course. What, yes. I do remember the social clock. Yeah. Yes. What's your, what's just cause I'm talking a lot. What, what, how do you remember the social clock? Well, the, like you have to be like at certain points on the social clock. Like you got to be married by X. You got to do this by then. Yeah. You've got to have a, a baby by Y. You've got to, you know, and if not, somehow you're failing. And then all those people like, that, you know, hit you up and they're like, are you pregnant yet? You mm -hmm. know, I mean, you guys have been married for whatever, you know, and why isn't there a baby? Or how come you're 35 and you don't have a husband or a wife? or a partner or a what have you, you know what I mean? I don't know why I'm using that voice, but it seemed annoying. So, you know, like for me, like there's this idea- That's that probably the, how it feels in someone's head. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, the social clock is this idea that you have to be, you know- Somewhere in your life. Somewhere at a in your life in at a certain point in life based off of societal ideas. And yeah, and expectations and the social clock is- How'd I do? Hang on a second. Can we just talk you did for great. a second? That Come was on. great, See? A plus. A plus. Your memory, your memory is better than you think it is. Um, it's just when you get all sweaty because you think someone's quizzing you. Sweaty, maybe feel like I'm under <laughs> this. You know. But... Yeah, it's just, it's just when you have that panic sweat around. <laughs> but okay. casually, your memory is great. Okay, so the that social clock is really meaningful as well. By the way, that's going on my epitaph. Casually, anyway. Jeremiah, your memory is great. <laughs> Casually, your memory is great. When put under in pressure, a scenario, you're a sweaty mess. Well, and that's my point about pressure. When I said pressure changes performance, that's my point. Bunch of a, it creates a, a change in the body physiologically, and it literally makes decision making harder, focus, attention, basically executive functioning. Right. Right. So it's not just like 
you know, like, oh, like that, that kind of makes it harder. No, no, literally, literally (laughs) makes your brain, your brain, the more pressure something has around it is having a harder time being as creative or as like uh, having as good a problem solving skills essentially around it, or just, you know, abstract thinking, yeah, basically executive functioning skills. So it's, it's real, but that really pressure impacts us in, in many, many ways, and particularly around this and that social clock, tick, 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 right? Ooh. Tick, 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 tick. And that just cranks that dial of that pressure up more and more. And it also starts to create this sensation for people that like, wow, there must be, and so this is that piece around self-esteem, right? Like, I'm not hitting them. I haven't kind of quote unquote met my person or my persons or whatever at this point in my life. And this is the, this is the point in life that I was kind of given the, like the idea that I was supposed to have this done by. Yeah. So now that voice starts to go. And so what's wrong with me? Yes. Right. Like what's wrong with me that I haven't. And I would really, and this is important about the social clock. It's totally freaking arbitrary. Yes. I totally agree. That, and, and it is important, and I get that it impacts us, right? It impacts all of us, but when you step back, right? When you step back and you think about the social clock, like, does everyone really meet their quote-unquote soulmates in their mid-20s? Right. Does everyone really know what they want to do for the rest of their lives at 18 when they're supposed to go to pick college or not pick college or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's absurd. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. that's, it's an absurd idea that we would all just magically at 25 through, I don't know, late 20s, it used to be earlier, right? Be like, that's when you find someone. No, no. right? Like, right. that's yeah. ridic- you it's ridiculous. You do. Right. It's ridiculous when you step back, but it feels so real for all of us. Right. I've been impacted by the social clock. I'm sure you have, Jeremiah. Like none of us are able to escape it because it's incredibly internalized and ingrained. Right. And side note, plays a really big. We we haven't really talked much about career on this podcast, but at some point, just from a mental health perspective, might be worth it. I know we're a sex podcast, but what's stressing you out impacts your sex life. But it it happens a lot with career as well. Like I haven't done the thing or I'm, I'm, you know, 43 and I'm thinking of a career change. Oh no, that feels like something that just shouldn't be done. I should, I should have figured this out, right? If I had a, a nickel for every time in my office, I heard I should have this figured out by now in my office around what relationships or jobs or whatever it might be. I would be a very, very wealthy woman. I can imagine. <laughs> and I can imagine. So here's what I think, Doc. I think we should take a break now and we should come back and let's start giving some of that uh here's what you need to do advice you know what i mean and guess what i'm ready for that you timed it perfectly so so good we're so in sync since you've been back you must have done a lot of meditating all right here we go (laughs) i had a lot of of other experiences that was not it (laughs) well we'll be right back And we're back here at the University of Pleasure, where our two hosts are so in sync, we knew exactly when to take a break this time around. I don't know why, and I can't explain it, but when you are like, we're so in sync, it makes me very uncomfortable. I really, (laughs) I don't really know why, but it just creates discomfort for me. I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's a, that's like somehow a reflection on like, boy, I really don't want to be in sync with this guy. In the world he lives in. I don't know either. When we're done recording, felt just now. But you know what? It's all good. I don't know either. But I'll 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 step back and reflect. And no, (laughs) (laughs) after this podcast. Well, Doc, we are back. We are in sync, and let's talk about the tricks of the trade here. What can we do in this, you know, dating scenario? You know, what in the playbook can we put in there? X's and O's, football references, not soccer, NFL, but I'm not against soccer. Oh, I love soccer. You know, I've been watching that Welcome to Wrexham. It's so great. Is it good? I haven't watched any of it, but I like soccer. I love going to see soccer. It's very heartfelt. It's very heartfelt. I think it's well done. Okay, well, I'll start watching it. Other people might not be a fan. I'm a fan. I like it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, who doesn't love a little Ryan Reynolds in their life? You know what? I am a really, like, I love, like, Ryan Reynolds is fantastic, but... 
Rob McElhenney needs his credit. He's great. I'm sure he is, but Ryan Reynolds is just so damn handsome, <laughs> and he pulls poor, me right in. Poor, poor Rob. I might be saying his name wrong, but from Sunny, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Who's, yeah. by the way, concept this and like you know, like yeah. thing was <laughs> this guy, this poor guy. It's always like, yeah, but Ryan, but and Ryan, he's like, you know. He he's just, like, no worries. I just came up with the whole concept and really was the person that had this idea. And, yeah, you know, it, it did everything and made it happen. And Ryan <laughs> yeah, just kind of said, yeah, I'll it do does, it too. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it's true. Okay, it's, all right, we're back. We're not talking about soccer, Ryan Reynolds, and how handsome he is. Okay, give us some tricks of the trade. Oh, okay. Uh, we really went off, off, off book there. Yeah, um, Ryan <laughs> Reynolds does that. And incidentally, Ryan Reynolds, if you'd like to come on the University of Pleasure and talk about Mint Mobile or anything like that, anything, Mint any Mobile. one of your your ventures Ugh. that you have out there is like a CEO and a super handsome guy, I think like we, we would I think be you need, here for you. I think you need a separate non-University of Pleasure associated podcast that is just called Jeremiah James Shameless Plugs. Same. <laughs> where you, you just get them all out of your system. And that's you. It's like a forty-minute. Just, it's just it's all plugs. it does. I mean, listen. With over the hundred episodes we've done for the University of Pleasures over three years, I'm sure we'd have enough for a couple of episodes. We have enough for some supercuts, to be sure. Incidentally, um, the other guy that's working with Ryan Reynolds on that show that I'm Rob sure brought McElhinney. it all, Rod McElhinney. If you'd like to come I, to the University, I don't of know Pleasure. if that's how you pronounce his name. I think so. I don't know either because Ryan blinds me to whatever else is around. Ugh. Ugh. Well, so. I mean, good. I'm no shade on Ryan Reynolds. I don't need like a lot of aggressive mail about that. But okay, continue. Unless you're going to call our phone line, then <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll All even right. take complaints at this point in time. <laughs> Um, okay. So one of the first things, and I know that it's always like, Ugh, this sounds hard, but it is one of the most important things, is starting to identify the counterproductive thinking that gets in your way. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, whether we, we really focus on behavior, right? Like what yeah. can I do differently? And I've talked about this in like many episodes around many things. It's sometimes hard to do differently unless you can get yourself to think differently. And you can't get yourself to think differently if you don't first identify what are the types of thoughts or thinking patterns that are maybe getting in my way in terms of me being able to like proceed in the way that I want to proceed. Okay. So for instance, a good example is like, are you engaging in a lot of comparison, right? And to a certain degree, I don't remember who said it, somebody famous, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Ooh, I like, like that. Comparison, <clears throat> I just popped my mic really hard. I think it might so have been. Excited. A, comparison is the thief of joy. It might have been a Roosevelt. I can't remember. Oh. Um, I'm sure we could Google it, but I'm not going to because I don't care enough. But sort of the idea that like, the other reason it's such a, I mean, it, it just is, right? The more we compare, the worse we tend to feel. Sure. But also comparisons, remembering that comparisons are are really often unfair, like because we're not always comparing the same thing to the same thing, right? Like- well, There's too many different variables. Like, yeah, you know, like if you were to compare, like, you know, one, you know, let's just use our podcast. Like there are other podcasts out there that are different uh, sexual health podcasts. We don't compare ourselves to them. We're our own version, right? Some yeah. have five hosts, some have one host, some have, you know, two hosts, some have whatever. And some of them focus some more on- Some have better working relationships. Okay, you okay, know? okay, okay. Let's not have an argument on in front of everybody here. I didn't mean to bring up kidding. this aspect. I'm just kidding. I'm just But in kidding. all honesty, like, you know, you can't compare the two. You know, we what we do is very unique in our own and we do it in between this. Some people do only that and some people, I mean, there are too many variables. And if you compare one thing to the other of like, you know, they're not comparable. It's like apples to oranges, the old idea, right? So, yeah, no, I'm with you. And I love that quote. And I am going to look it up because I think I think that's really, really great for a lot of things we talk about, Doc. Yeah. I mean, so it's it, it is a, that piece around like, yeah, there's just too many variables. And if you're just looking like a lot of times you're you're only looking at one variable. Right. So it's like you know, am I, am I, do I have a, let's say, do I have a romantic, like it's in context of dating, do I have a romantic partner or not? Okay. Well, that, that person does so much, that must make them better than me. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There are a lot of other components of the, who the two of you are. And also side note, it's hard to say someone's better than right? Right, 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 right. just generally speaking, but, but those kind of things, obviously they do impact self-esteem. So trying to like be thoughtful about like, am I comparing a lot? Okay. How can I try to step back? Think about that because here's the thing you can't change anything 
unless you know that you're doing it or you notice that you're doing it. There used to, there was, I don't remember, I went to school and then I forgot it, but there was some famous, psych, <laughs> some famous, some famous psychologist was like, um, uh, said, uh, that therapy is making the unconscious conscious so you can do something about it. Okay. I like that too. Right. So it's like building your awareness. So then you can take action. Yes. Um, the other thing is like, so another example of counterproductive thinking, well, oh, and it's a tough one that comes up for a lot of people is this, and it's a specific one. I must be unlovable. Ooh. Right. And people get really kind of stuck in this sense of like that their lovability is really linked to the success that they're having. And they might consciously know that that's not true, but the feeling is there and it's starting to get tricky. And the thing that I always try to remind people about, and don't get me wrong, some of this stuff takes time and it's hard. And we, we have these automatic fears and automatic thoughts, and sometimes we just can't help having them. So it's not a judgment on having them. These are normal fears and things that people struggle with, but lovability, like, so a lot of times when we're dating, right, like we're not saying yes, swiping right on every person we see. Mm -hmm. We're not like, there's probably whole, whole bunch of people that would be more than happy to love us, but maybe we're not into them. Right. Do you know, right. do you know what I mean? Yes. And so, but, but sometimes we measure lovability is like, okay, if I'm not having that connection where I'm interested in someone and they're also interested in me, that's what defines my lovability where it's like, oh no, no, you're pretty lovable. I bet, right. You could probably get you know, if you were you like, so for instance, like I might be talking to someone that's like been on 20 dates with people that were really into them. And they're like, I just wasn't into them. And they're like, but I don't feel very lovable. I'm like, whoa, one whoa, second. <laughs> slow down there. Right. You just had like 20 people that were really interested in you. And that was more about you being, which is fine, thoughtful about who you want to date and looking for a good fit. Yes. That's more about you seeking a good fit for you than it is about your lovability right, in right, some right, kind right. of way. And so just kind of reshaping some of those thoughts. Well, we just did a podcast on it. And so you can, I would encourage people to, what is it? Two episodes. I think it's the eye of the beholder, the episode on attraction. Yes. But a really common counterproductive thought is, well, I'm not conventionally attractive. So people aren't going to want me or they're not going to yeah. love me. And that's tough. That's right. And tough I do one, get man. it. Yeah. I want to be very clear. Some people if they're conventionally attractive, right? Like in terms of like, what is movie and films? Like what are yeah, the kind like of what features? You see magazines. Yeah, what are the features that they're suggesting is attractive or beauty at this point? And side note, that's historically and culturally relative, right? It changes to culture to culture and yes, where we're at yes, in history. Yes, 100%, 100%. But, you know, go to an art museum and you'll see that, right? Yep. Like that really has changed mm -hmm. through the course of history in many different ways. Mm. But if people feel like they're not needing that convention, right, that somehow now they are not going to be wanted by other people. And I get to talk to so many people. I'm in such a privileged position where I, I get to talk to so many people about what they want and what they desire and what they like and what they find attractive. And people really are so varied, right? Yes, it's true. Like, so completely varied. And I don't want to pretend that people that are conventionally attractive do not have more privilege in dating. Mm. They often do. That is real. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like be like, no, 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 they're not having an easier time of it than you are. Some people that are conventionally might attractive might be having a hard time, but some people that are conventionally attractive might be having an easier time. Right. That might be a real thing that that might be a privilege that's occurring and that's real. And so I'm not going to, argue with someone about that because they probably have a point however believing that that's the only thing that people find attractive like the, you want proof of that just go on and look at porn yeah and the, the massive diversity of how people look and appear in pornography and you know diversity of features diversity of body shape skin tone culture right like People are into a lot of different things. <laughs> 100%. What a great way to bring it full circle, Doc. Yes. Right. And so these are also these things of like identifying this and so stepping, trying to step back and going, okay, one second. Because that's, think also how we're doing self-esteem wise then impacts how we engage on a date, right? Yeah. If we think we're not good enough to be there, right? That sometimes can express itself in ways that we don't want with someone else. Or yes. as an aside, nothing's more of a slap in the face to someone that's like, I think you're really attractive. And you're like, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like when mm -hmm. you're trying to tell someone they're really attractive, oh, yes. and you're like, 
Mm. And they go, it's no, hard. no, no, that's, mm. and you're like, no, I, that, that really, and I don't know what the response is after that. You know, what do you, where do you, how do you, you know, like if it's like, you, you're very, you're very beautiful. And they go, no, I'm not. You go, oh, okay, what do I do now? I mean, I think sometimes, well, you know, like, you know, I don't think there's a perfect response to that being like, well, I'm sad that, you know, like, and I'm, mean, you're not trying to make someone back. Cause we all like have by like, you know, periods of body image, self-esteem issues around our appearance. But, you know, I think if you're the person that's saying someone's beautiful and they kind of reject that saying, well, that is what I believe, you know, and you just kind of let re- it there, let it be there. And you just let it be. And you don't need to convince somebody or pressure them to feel that way. You just kind of maybe say, well, that's what I think. Got it. Period. Got it. <laughs> like no problem solving necessary around it. Just that's what I think, right? Or like, mm-hmm. that's what I believe and kind of reasserting that. And it is tricky when I say it, like when when you're trying to express like, wow, I really, I find you very beautiful or like, and I, and I don't just mean physically, right? Like I find you very beautiful because we've talked about attraction is multidynamic. Yes. <laughs> it's not just about feelings, right? You're yes. like, I am very attracted to you. And someone's like, oh, I'm not attractive. Like that hurts the person that's saying it. Yes, it does that's is trying to say they feel you're attractive. And, and again, I do get that that comes from sometimes a tough place for, for some of us, right. In terms of where we're at with our self-esteem, but just remembering too, like, cause I think sometimes we need to, we feel like we we're trying to protect ourselves and we don't want to feel hurt. And so we, we say, no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. And, and, and it sort of feels like we're like helping the other person out by like, no, let me help you out. I'm not attractive or I'm not beautiful or I'm not right. how you see yeah. me. You're not helping them out. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. It's deflating. Yes. Agreed. That, I, that would be the word that I would use. So that's, you know, that would be another kind of common counterproductive thought that gets in the way. Here's the thing. You don't have to be, I love the idea of practicing neutrality, right? Sometimes people are like, just believe you're beautiful. Well, maybe that's not where you are. Try to be neutral. I'm at where I'm at. I look how I look, right? Versus trying to force yourself to be like, I feel gorgeous, pretty, handsome, whatever, right? Maybe you don't feel that way. And then you're just going to feel bad about the fact that you don't feel that way. So rather being like, being more neutral, I look how I look and it is what it is right now. That's right. And I'm going to, I'm going to work with what I got. That's right. Period. You don't have to force that. But if you notice you're trending in a lot of negative spaces, then maybe trying to practice some neutrality about it. Okay. Sometimes it's a lot of ass to be like, be body positive. Well, I'm not feeling that positive. Okay. Work on body neutral or work on appearance neutral or whatever that might be. Um, This would be a really big one. That's one to work on. And it's a tough one. One of the counterproductive thinking or one of the counterproductive sort of counterproductive thought patterns that people can get into with dating, especially if they're feeling like things are taking time or there's a lot of pressure on it, is sort of the sensation of someone's not my ideal, so they're not worth my time. Oh, yes. We've talked about this and I am in this one here, Doc. I'm ready to give some Jeremiah James advice here. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Right. Like when there becomes more pressure on dating, right? So let's say we're younger and that social clock isn't ticking quite as fast or whatever it might be. Maybe it's just, we're feeling a little more relaxed about it for whatever reason, right? We don't tend to put as much pressure on ideals, but the more pressured we feel and the more it feels like we have to figure this out, sometimes the more perfectionistic we become. Right. I need to find the big love, Right. So what happens is then sometimes not for everybody, but sometimes then when we're dating, it creates this distorted effect where we're like, I don't feel I don't hear violins and feel this like big, big feeling or big, big attraction or like they're not my total physical ideal. So skip it. Right. And so then right. we, we don't give things a chance because we're kind of like putting a lot of pressure to like find that perfect thing. So then we don't have to because we're anxious and we just don't want the problem anymore. And so we're kind of like trying to find perfection, but the reality is obviously there is no perfection. Sure, sure, but sure, it, sure. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm making sense. No, but... 100%. I'm with you. Yeah, well, it sounds like you had a lot of feelings about this. I do have a lot of feelings about it, Doc. I'm a lot, I'm, I'm very in my feelings about this because, you know, when we, I, I we've talked about this before, when you're looking for someone and you, you, you're like, they have to be blonde haired, blue eyed, six foot, blah, blah. They have to have a, they've got to be a lawyer. They got to be a this, I got to be a that. You're, you're narrowing like, the field so hard that like you know 
it's going to be really hard. You're, you're kind of backing yourself into a corner. You know what I mean? Like you're, there's, there's only going to be like one tenth of 1% of humans that may fit into this ideal bracket that you have built around your head. And there may be some really wonderful humans out there that actually would be incredible partners that would be, you know, yeah, maybe they're not they're six four. Maybe they're only six feet. Maybe they're maybe they're yeah, five ten. Maybe they're five ten, and maybe, but instead of being five ten, man, they are kind and good and would treat you with respect, right? And maybe they're this person. They're they're super funny, or they're they cook really well, and they or maybe or maybe there's something about them that you never even thought to want. That's right, Doxy. There you go. You're a genius. Yet again, <laughs> dropping genius. Right, because Truth. sometimes. We create these ideals, right? This is what I want. This is what I want. But what we don't do is maybe open ourselves up to learn new wants, yes. right? Where somebody comes in and we're like, I never knew I needed that. That's I right. never knew I wanted that. And if we get so trapped in our ideals and trying to like, basically like kind of being perfectionistic around like, I got to make this work. So now I'm going to kind of take control in my own hands and find this perfect person. What happens is don't get me wrong. I'm not against people taking control in their own hands, but when it's coming from that space of maybe more anxiety around, like, I got to fix this, I got to figure this out. And there's a lot of pressure around it. Then to your point around narrowing things, you don't open yourself up for for things you just never realized you wanted or needed because That's someone it. comes in and blows your fucking mind with something new that you're like, I did not realize I needed someone that was so passionate about whatever, right? That's like right. this passion this person has, that's so attractive to me. I never realized I was attracted to that because you, you sometimes you can't know that you like the taste of something until you try it. Oh, right? well done. Um, So that would be just thinking about like, are you putting like too many constraints, right? Yes. Practicing yes. too much perfectionism. Um, the, the other thing we've talked about this on previous ones, so I'll do it really quickly. If you are online dating, which some people are, some people aren't, I shouldn't assume all people are, but many people many are. are. We've talked about this, but just as a casual reminder, online dating gives the illusion of quicker results, yes. <laughs> the illusion, illusion of more opportunity at times. Because here's the thing, when you get on and you go on an online, on an app, right? You swipe right and you swipe left and it, it creates this sensation of like, look at all these people's in, people in my like, I don't know, it's like, like box or whatever, right? Like my interest line, you know, it depends on the app you're using, right? Mm -hmm. But usually there's a collection. Look at all these people that swiped on me. These are all opportunities and they're all potentials, right? But the reality is, is like, you know, only so many of those conver those those people that you matched with are going to turn into conversations. So many of those conversations are only so many of those conversations are going to turn into conversations that keep going, right? right or right. end in a date. Um, and then so only so many of those dates are going to end up right with somebody that you feel really connected with. And mm -hmm. I don't say that to be depressing. I say that because it's just like dating in any other context, right? And I, the example that I give, and I know Jeremiah, you've heard it, but we haven't talked about it for a while, right? Things like season one. If you if you go out to a bar, like let's kick it old school back in the day, the 90s or so, you know what I mean? Yeah, like right, back right, in the days, right, right. the 90s, isn't that hilarious? But like where it was like you, that's maybe where people feel like they'd meet people, right? You might have glances and share glances with somebody across the room, but how many of those glances, right? So think of that like a like a match, right? Mm -hmm. How many of that those shared moments of attraction then turned into conversations? Yep. And how many conversations did you have with or that do people have where, you know, they finish the conversation? How many times does someone go, you know, I have to go to the bathroom or me and my friends are leaving? And like mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So you half a little conversation and doesn't go anywhere. And how many of those conversations turn into dates? How many of those dates turns into turn into partnerships? Hundred percent. And it's the same, whether you meet people in a, in a, a bar or at a, at a, I don't know, at work or whatever it might be, it really, the game isn't really any different, right? right, right. But online creates the sensation that there should be more control mm -hmm. and that there should be higher, a higher rate of outcome. Yes. And that can really, really mess with us. The other thing to remember about online dating, just like in a, in a bar setting or a party setting or a barbecue, whatever, bowling league, <laughs> you don't know the level of like 
seriousness and intentionality that everyone has about dating. Some people just like to flirt for the sake of flirting, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Some people are not really don't have any intention of dating. They're not interested in it. Or maybe frankly, they're not even available to be dating. So when you are online, you know, how long does it take to download Tinder? Oh, seconds. 30. Seconds, right? To do a profile, especially if you're like, eh, let me toss them. Maybe five, 10 minutes if you're really, frankly, if you're really being thoughtful. <laughs> right. Like, and that's not a lot of investment. So what that means is like some some people play play it like a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's they're true. on it. They it's like true. the little they like the little dopamine burst of the match and maybe starting a conversation, but they have no real intention to date. And sometimes what we assume when we're on the other line and we really are looking for partnership, we are maybe misperceiving that every person we're connecting to is there for the same reasons we are. Right. And I know that that can get very frustrating for people, but it helps to go in and to remind yourself that like, hey. Not everyone here is maybe as serious about this as I am. That's and what right. That means, exactly, Doc. And what that means is that I'm going to get a lot of false starts sometimes. That's and right. that's okay. That's not about me. Okay. I have like two more. Do I have time for two more? You've got time for like two more. We're hitting like almost an hour mark, Doc. This oh, is how deep a, this is going. See, this is why I did volume one. Okay. Um, be aware of your bias and timing. Timing is everything. If you're dating... And you know that on all of your dates, you're constantly comparing everyone to your ex. Now is not a good time to do that's that. That's not a good, oh God, we talked about that too, Doc. That one is brutal. That's so brutal. And that's okay. Side note, that's okay if that's where you're at. It's just not a good time. Yeah. Because it's going to distort things, right? Like, because you're still maybe there. Or maybe you're just from a mental health perspective or a, let's say a self-esteem perspective, just not in a good place for whatever reason. Maybe it has nothing to do with an ex. And you're just not feeling you that much, right? And you can't even get to neutral. Try to maybe think about whether seeing a therapist or working, I don't know, on some other kind of self-care sort of stuff that helps get you. You don't have to be in the best place, but in a little better place because yeah, you're going to have a better. You're going to have a different experience, right? Exactly. Like where we're at mood wise, how we feel about ourselves. That's the lens that we see the world through. Yes. Right. Yes. And so if you know that your lens is a little gray for whatever reason. Take the time to take some Windex out, right? <laughs> Clean up as many of the spots as you can. Yes. You know, and it doesn't have to be crystal clear, but as many as you can. And then just thinking about like, all right, can I get in a, in a different place for this? Um, and especially if you know that there's someone that you're constantly comparing everyone you're on a day to, not, yeah. not the best time. Not, not, not the best time for this. Right. The other kind of thing, we say this all the time, Jeremiah, you will like this. These are my parting words. Working, which is hard to do, working on being kind to yourself, right? (laughs) That's a nice way to work on self-esteem is self-compassion. How am I doing? Side note, if people want resources, there are all sorts of self-compassion resources. There's um, Kristen Neff, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, I I believe, and I think Neff is N-E-F-F, is a psychologist that's done a ton of work around self-compassion. She has a beautiful website with lots of free resources and also has some books on self-compassion if people are needing more support in that. Um, And also being kind to others, right? Yes. If you're having a a hard time and you start mistreating others because you have a hard time, and you know, sometimes we mistreat others and we're still decent people, then we're going to feel guilty about how we're mistreating others. And it's going to make us feel even worse. It's going to take an even bigger chunk out of our self-esteem because it's right. We're not, we're not being the people we want to be. That's right. And, and if so, you, yep. hundred percent doc. And you are right. As you're part of, these are some of my, you know, I love this. First of all, forgive yourself for things. And I think that's great. And I'm excited for people to go check out this therapist that she was talking about or psychologist. Cause I'll tell you, that's so much people, they don't, there's no compassion for themselves. You know, they yeah, gotta, we give it to, we give it to everybody other else. We give it to other people, but we do not know how to give it to ourselves. And don't get me wrong. Like if you're having a hard time with it, like there's a reason that Kristen Neff is super popular because it's a common problem. Right, right. <laughs> you are not alone in that problem. And then the other one that you were saying, kindness, man, be kind. Just be kind to people. If you fart, see, uh, fart. <laughs> if you start seeing that you're, uh, you know, your struggles are bleeding into the way you treat others. That's a big sign, big sign. And that's where you go and you find someone like the doc and you right. go and start talking to him because that is a, a big sign that you're not in a good place. And maybe dating wouldn't be the greatest thing at that moment in time if you're being a little bit not so nice. Yeah. The other thing too that I always remind people is sometimes if you're having a hard time working from the inside out, work from the outside in. If you're having a hard time treating yourself kindly, 
work on being more empathic and kind and more thoughtful and compassionate to others because sometimes that helps reshape how you feel about you. I love that. I love that, Doc. I love you. I love the University of Pleasure. And I love all our fans. There's so much love. This was great today. It was great to have you back. It was great to be able to give people some how-to advice and, uh, you know, kind of combine a handful of other episodes we've done into this specific playbook. And it's only volume one, folks. So you got to yeah. come back and check out volume two. I have to decide two. what is in volume two. What is well, it? I don't know. <laughs> well, well, the great thing is you're a genius and you're going to come up with that oh. unless you want me to do it because I can come up with all kinds of tricks. I will of the work terrain. on something. Oh, you're going to oh, see that, that, that hear that folks. That's the easiest way to get her to start working. I'm like, I'll come up with ideas. She's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Let's not go crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, doc. Thank you for everything that you do for so many people. Thank you for doing this here at the University of Pleasure for all of our millions of fans all over the world. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to all your friends on our social media accounts. And uh, just remember, as we always say here at the University of Pleasure, just be kind to one another. It's the easiest thing you can do out there. Just be kind. It's hard, all right? And uh, we'll be talking to you again next week on a new episode. I'll see you later, Doc. Bye. Bye. Don't say bye when I say bye. Let me say bye, then you say bye. Hang on. Here we go. Let's try it again. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, and then you said it with edge. Now I'm going to have to edit that. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> this episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.